Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, everyone. Welcome into the Creator Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Chris. Today, we have very special guest, Eddie Garrison. I had a chance to meet him last year in, it was November, right? November at PodFest in Tampa. Um, Eddie is a creator expert. Um, he has a creator community on Facebook as well. I love going in there, ask questions to the community all the time, just to learn. Like I'm always trying to figure stuff out. Uh, Eddie, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. We met, uh, over face to face for the first time ever over there in, in Tampa at PodFest. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've bought some of your books, um, just because for me, I think, one thing you focus on a lot is the community side of being a creator. Yes. And I think that that part gets overlooked a lot. Like it's really, really ignored. And honestly, I can say as a creator myself, that is like kind of the most challenging thing. So, so what's your piece of advice to that person that is kind of a loner that wants to have a community online? That that's the thing I, I I believe in, and thank you very much for buying my books. Uh, uh, Disney thanks you because I can go again to another day. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the community gets overlooked, but it shouldn't be. It, it should have a, a light shine on it because I believe a lot of creators by instinct and natural are, are introverts or they're kind of like a, a one person show and they don't have like a support system or support structure in place to where if you are, if you're a member of one of these communities or feel like you, there's a need for one of these communities, you'll find that there is a lot of people that will come in there and benefit greatly from it just to have a, a sounding board because, yeah. you know, everybody, you know, you'll see it on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, here are my coworkers and it's their pets, their dogs, their cats, but they never talk back. <laughs> they can't, you can't bounce an idea off your yeah. dog, right? So when you have other like-minded individuals in the community helping each other grow, um, you alluded to my creator community, and I'm not trying to self-promote here, but our three pillars are to connect, to teach, and to learn. And and I think that encompasses a great community. I I love that you detailed that. So I want to go deeper on this real quick. What do you think about people that want to have multiple communities? Right. So should you just have one community where you bring everybody that you could possibly work with together? Or is it smart to have a community here, a community here based on people's interests, like kind of segmenting your communities? I believe that to be an effective community leader and to build an effective community online, you need to be on different platforms and creating those communities on those different platforms. And the reason I say that, Chris, is it has nothing to do with trying to get and make as much money or, you know, have these huge vanity metrics. But a lot of people don't like certain platforms, right? So you could have a Facebook community with a Facebook group. Well, people don't like Facebook. A lot of people don't like Facebook. So they're on Twitter. So now they have Twitter communities. So you you can have a following over there. Now it could be in the same niche or industry or however you want to you know pronounce those words and, and label those communities. But a community on the platform that people are like-minded and are active on, that's where you need to build a community for those individuals. It can be the same community. It can be the same community of podcasters. But a lot of podcasters may gravitate to Twitter. They may gravitate to Facebook. So having these multiple communities, even though they're kind of under the same umbrella of, 
we're using the example of podcasting here, I think it's more than beneficial for somebody that's either looking to start one or looking for other communities to join. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question about like Facebook groups, because I know a lot of people who just don't like Facebook. You know, they don't like using it. It's too distracting with the ads. Um, it's too many rules there. Like it's, a lot of posts get taken down and stuff. I'm just personally not as much of a fan of, of Facebook as I used to be. I prefer uh, Twitter more. I'm even getting into TikTok a little bit now. Like TikTok <laughs> is actually pretty entertaining. So what are the main platforms you believe are the best for community building? The uh, best is such a relative term. Right? Yeah, true. I, I remember, and I'm just going to use an, a quick example here of Clubhouse, right? So it started during when, when COVID was like at its peak, right? So it was this audio only app and it was a lot of podcasters gravitated to it. Now, everybody was starting from scratch because it was a brand new platform. So people didn't have a community built there. Then all of a sudden people or not people, uh, Platforms like Twitter and Facebook saw this and they started to add that into their platform. And then I saw a little decline, a a great decline in the use of Clubhouse because people, especially when Twitter came up with spaces. Oh, man. These people have been on Twitter for 12, 15 years. They have built this massive following and massive community. So why try to push them to another platform when they already have an engaged audience on that platform? Man, I think Twitter spaces is... I love it. And I was one of those people that was really active on Clubhouse when it first blew up like that. Like, I remember this is this is going to sound unbelievable now, but I literally sold invites to Clubhouse. Like I had like 10 and I was selling them on Twitter. That's what I to think one. of. Right? <laughs> it's insane to think of now because nobody uses it. Like I, most people have yeah. deleted the platform completely. Do you think Clubhouse should have sold when they had that crazy valuation? I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. even though we're in 2022, but I know hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they look back at it and go, oh man, we, we should have sold. Because I don't think that Clubhouse, for whatever reason, maybe this was their rationale of thinking, that perhaps they didn't believe that platforms like Twitter were going to be able to put audio only together that quickly. But what yeah. they didn't understand is when they took down... Uh, I forget which platform or which feature Twitter actually just built it on top of another feature. They sunsetted that feature and then brought uh, spaces on. So the coding and stories. everything was stories. That's right. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, they were called fleets. 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 Yeah. So yeah. all they did was sunset fleets and just build spaces on top of that. So the back end coding was already done. So it was a really quick turnaround for them. And perhaps Clubhouse didn't realize that that's what they were going to do. And they had a direct competitor relatively quickly. Yeah, yeah, and that, that right there is something that um, I think about now as a, as a developer myself, as a creator. I'm always thinking about the next thing and really kind of finding a home. Because when I talk to podcasters, I'm always telling them find a place you can live online. You know, one platform you're consistently on, and kind of have a backup you go on as well. But having a home base is super important to me as a creator, where I can go and talk to people and have conversations, build relationships and stuff. Like for me, I went through 2018 to 2020 just trying to figure out what that was it took right. years yep um so for you what would you say is like your home base for online oh definitely facebook i i'm known for facebook i'm known for my community on facebook my my business generates the most business off of facebook and then uh i can't even go two i would have to go one a is twitter um, so my, my, my two big two are Facebook and Twitter. That's where I spend my most time. That's where I have my largest followings. And that's where I've built my communities on those two platforms. Oh, no LinkedIn. I actually kind of like LinkedIn. I, <laughs> I like it. 
I think LinkedIn has has kind of shifted though. In the past yeah. year, it's became a lot different um, because now so many more people are using it. Like Gary mm -hmm. V told everybody, go on there and post eighty times a day. Now, when you go on your feed, you're going to see a bunch of crazy stories that probably never happened. So yeah, <laughs> LinkedIn is chaos now. I used LinkedIn a lot in the mid 2000s. Uh, I was in a different industry at the time, uh, but uh, we generated quite a bit of business and quite a bit of growth directly from LinkedIn groups. Unfortunately for me, there was a paradigm shift in how LinkedIn approached their groups where it, was just, it became spam. It became nothing but self-promotion. And then their direct messaging like in mail, I, just, I, I wish there was a way to just turn that off <laughs> because I do not like it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it, now it I, I have recently got back on, I've recently got back on LinkedIn and I'm going to, I'm going to credit one person for telling me a little bit of insight about how LinkedIn matters. And that was Judy Fox, right? So Judy Fox rocks. It, I think that's her, uh, her screen name, but we were at people of video. We were both speaking at people of video up in Albany, New York last year and Dan Couriers, uh, our event. And she was like, and I watched her presentation and what she said about my LinkedIn profile, not mine specifically, but someone's LinkedIn profile made more sense to me in 45 seconds than anybody, anybody's other blog post I've ever read, any other video I watched. So when I, when she was done, she, I pulled her aside and we had a quick little five to 10 minute conversation and I showed her my profile. She's like, okay, you have a, a really good base. I want you to change these three things. And I did. And I've been doing that ever since. And that was from October of last year until today. So I've been a little bit more active on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. LinkedIn is up there for me. Um, but I think as far as relationship building, and just kind of stay ahead of the curve in news. Yeah. Twitter is just the best. Oh, like, it is. You can't I, beat I how see fast. Yeah. It's quick. It's quick. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to, I, I do not talk politics, sports, or religion on anybody's show. <laughs> but I mean, just take the current world situation in an Eastern European country that I shall be renamed nameless of how quickly things are posted from there on Twitter before anybody else even sees it. Oh man, it's, it's, it's the, the real speed. world news. And the other day, Bubble, um, it's a no code platform. They decided to change their pricing. Sent out an email about it at like 9 a.m. And by like noon, they sent out another email saying, okay, wait, we're going to adjust this thing. We'll come back to it because Twitter went crazy responding to it. So yep. I think as a business and as a creator, it's good to have Twitter because people can respond to your content, to your products. Yes really really fast and that feedback is kind of priceless because if you put something out and people don't like it there's a negative response you can make changes like that instead of with facebook it'll take maybe a week you know instagram even moves slow with that because there's no chronological order so you don't know what's right. gonna come up when i even saw something yesterday where i i don't know i don't think it was a ceo but he was the guy from instagram was talking about how hashtags are useless and i come on man that's not right. <laughs> and and for, I don't want to get on a tangent about this, but um, ha hashtags, people have to realize hashtags are not there for your followers. Hashtags are there for people that do not follow you. That's the reason hashtags are relevant. People are looking and searching for those hashtags may not be following you. So it's more relevant for people that aren't following you to discover your content than it is for people that are following you because they're already going to see your content. So should people still even care about hashtags on Instagram? It just seems point when I, when I post now, I post maybe three or five. Like, that's it. I don't care that much, honestly. Yeah, I know, I know you could put 30, but I, I, I've i never even come close to putting in 30. Uh, usually I, I found our sweet spot for particular brands that we work with. They have a, a core unit of hashtags that's about 10 or 12 deep. And then if they're working, let, let, let's say they're a construction company and they're working in 
right outside Boston, Massachusetts. So we're going to hashtag Boston. We're going to hashtag New England. We're going to hashtag Boston construction. So it's, it's very niche driven hashtags to make sure that mm. they're standing out. Now, obviously they're going to have construction. They're going to have all this other, all these other kind of core hashtags, but I, I, I do believe they matter. And like I said, they matter for people that aren't following you already. So when people search for Boston construction, they may only be searching for Boston. They may only be looking for construction, but if they go, if they niche down and they are, they're searching that way, those hashtags, then yes, they do matter. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Cause it sounds like it's something for local businesses. Like if I'm a barber, I want to put that I'm a barber in this city so people can find me and I can cut their hair or something like that. Yes, very much that makes so. sense. That makes sense. Very much so. Okay. Okay. So when let, let's kind of shift this and talk a little bit about influencers. So, what changes do you see happening in the influencer world? You know, I read a lot about TikTokers not making money, not getting paid. People on Instagram are upset because their reach is so low. Their engagement is terrible. What are some trends that you're seeing that kind of are like red flags for creators? Uh, both of those that you just mentioned, but an, another thing to to kind of that works hand in hand is that there there are a lot of influencers. And I'm not going to say all because that's just a stupid blanket statement. But a lot of influencers now that are just coming into this kind of game, this kind of industry, they're relying so much on that profit sharing from that platform, which is a big big red flag that they need to be diversifying where they get their income from. Yes, mm. that is a part of it, but you need to contact these brands directly have a, a contract with them and says, okay, we are going to do this type of content. You are going to pay me this amount of money. So you don't have to go on there and worry about, oh, it, is, is it, do I have 28,000 likes because I'm only going to make $50 off TikTok? No, you have that contract with brand A that says they're going to give you $10,000. Boom, you know you're getting $10,000. Hmm. Too many people, not even influencers, just in this space in general, content creators, they're like, oh, I want to be monetized on YouTube. I got to get monetized on YouTube. You got to realize the the Google ad spend that you're getting or the Google ad account that you're getting that money, it really isn't that much until you get to like millions and millions of views on every video. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's better to have direct contacts and direct relationships with these brands to have a contract to say, I'm going to shoot this video of this case review for you and you're going to give me $500. Boom. It's in writing. It's signed. It's legal. You shoot the video. They give you $500. Everybody's happy. I love that. I love it. Okay. So let, let's go a little deeper on that one right there. The main question I get when it comes to that from podcasters and creators in general is what's the minimum? Somebody will come and ask, okay, so if I want to make brand deals on Instagram and get paid to post content, what's the minimum followers I need to have or engagement? Do you see it as a minimum or is it just like you got to find the right companies? I'm not, you know what? I've actually, I've actually reached out to brands before and they've literally told me you don't have enough followers. Okay, cool. What What is enough hmm. followers? Well, we don't actually know. I'm like, okay, well then how can you tell me I don't have enough <laughs> followers if you don't know? <laughs> now you will run into, I've, I've seen where people like brands will post on Twitter or Facebook groups, or whatever. Hey, this is brand A. We are launching this new product. We are looking for this and they will just lay it out. Say so we're looking for people that have 20,000 plus followers that they will actually tell you. And I would, I would rather know that going into it than having to do all this legwork for days, weeks at a time. And all of a sudden at the end of it, they're like, yeah, you don't have enough. I'm like, okay, well just tell me in the beginning. So I think a lot of creators for whatever reason, 
they believe that since they are doing this, that the first video that they do should be paid. <laughs> That's just yeah. not how it works. You have to kind of show proof of concept a little bit here before somebody's going to work with you. So, you know, do these product review videos for free. You have stuff laying around your house all day, every day. You've got, you know, you got camera gear, or you've got beauty supplies, you've got hats, you've got razors, whatever you have and whatever you want to be an influencer or a content creator and make those videos, put them on Amazon, put them on Twitter, put them on YouTube, but you have to show these brands kind of your skill level and what you can bring to the table, a creative vision, because anybody can write a form letter and go, hey, I can do this. But if you don't have that proof of concept, no one's going to work with you. That, all movie all movie producers and directors have to have a proof of concept. Everybody Ooh, shoots a, a short film before they shoot a feature presentation. You know, you wow, can't just right. walk into MGM or Fox or Disney and go, hey, I've got this great idea. Give me $100 million to make it. That just doesn't work. That's not real world. <laughs> And that sounds insane. I tell podcasters the same thing. I, I think you got to find something. <clears throat> I think it's best to find something that's unique to you. So for me, what I'm doing that literally that strategy you just mentioned, I'm doing that right now, but for business books, I read a ton of business books They're everywhere. I literally have a stack of like eight on my desk right here. And I realized this year, every week I have, five authors trying to come on my podcast. So now I can set it up to where I have a series where I do book reviews. You're an author, send me your book. I'll read it and then review it on the show. I think that's the kind of approach creators have to take to kind of be unique and stand out. Something that's different because everybody's going to post the same thing, but what do you do that stands out that makes you different? I agree 100%. So for you, what was that first big brand deal you got? Like, what was the first one where you got a brand deal and you were like, oh, man, I'm here. I've arrived. I I was doing uh, these these quick Amazon review videos. Uh, so because if you don't know, if creators out there don't understand this and they, they're trying to get monetized on YouTube, I would highly recommend checking out the Amazon influencer program. They don't they do have minimum requirements. So if you if you have a following on Twitter, you, when you're applying, make sure that you're using the social media platform you have the most followers on because they do take that into consideration. Again, they're very vague on what these thresholds are, but I know for a fact they are far, far, far less than YouTube's monetization uh, because wow. I'm nowhere near monetization on YouTube, but I make $1,000 a month from Amazon videos. Whoa, whoa, now, whoa. Okay, okay. Now we got to talk. About, I didn't know Amazon videos were that big a deal. Are you talking about the videos like I click on a product, scroll to the bottom, and there's like a review video right there? Yes, Wow. I'm okay. shooting those videos. And how about this, Chris? I don't even appear in the video. Oh, that's incredible. Because I was thinking, I, I, I've seen your fancy setup and everything. I'm thinking yeah. it's that and you're holding a product and stuff. Yep. No, wow, I'm not doing that. I, I'm literally, I, I don't even speak in the videos. All I'm doing is taking a product, showing them in the box, taking it out of the box, and showing them how it functions on whatever it is. Like I did a product review on a monitor mount. It's literally 31 seconds long. And I've made over a hundred dollars on it. Wow, that's incredible! I literally these 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 videos take me maybe thirty minutes to make, and once I post them, they're done. When they, when you talk about passive income, that's about as passive it gets. All I have to do is get it up there, and once it's approved, it's on the product page. And when people get it, now their percentage payout isn't all that great. <laughs> it's two percent. Uh, so if, you know, on a hundred dollar item, you only get two dollars. However, I have about 75 videos up 
So if every one of those videos just made me a dollar a day, that's seventy five dollars a day. Yeah, and that adds doing up. absolutely that, nothing anymore. Ooh, that adds up right there. It does. So, and, so, and I'm not looking for this to pay my bills, right? I'm looking yeah. at you know, back in the day we used to call it mailbox money, right? This is mailbox money. <laughs> at, at the end of the month, I get a direct deposit from Amazon for somewhere between nine hundred and twelve hundred dollars. And for most people, that's kind of what a lot of people need, you know, there's that little extra income right there, that extra 500, 900, like the extra chunk of change is really just, good. Just think if you made, if, if somebody were just to give you a hundred dollars a month for, for making these videos, right? That's what Amazon's doing. Let's just, let's just call it a hundred dollars. That's what most people's mobile phone bill is a month is a hundred dollars. So yeah. you are, you no longer have to pay your mobile phone bill. <laughs> That's Man, how that I look at incredible. that. Money. Wow. That is incredible. Okay. So, could you then take that work you've done on Amazon and then show the brands like, hey, this is the work I've done on Amazon. Here are some of the product reviews I've done and then this take is, it to the brands. And Yeah, I, I went off on a tangent about Amazon, but I, that's actually the answer to your question. That's how I got my first mm. actual brand deal was a company. Uh, I don't remember where, what country they're from. It was not North America. I can tell you that. <laughs> wow. They emailed me on they emailed me from my YouTube channel because Amazon doesn't have a direct connection for that, which I think they should change. Uh, so they emailed me and said, hey, we saw your product or videos on Amazon. We would love for you to do this review on this new wireless microphone for iPhones. I was like, that's great. And, and I kind of sent them my pitch deck or whatever. And they came back and they said, no, we, that's, that's great. How, how does $500 sound? I'm like, yeah, $500 is good. <laughs> and they, they sent me wow. the product. I had, it about, I had it under 48 hours. I shot the video the same day. I sent it to them. Uh, I said, this is what we're going to post. And they had like one edit and I had just, uh, I had misspelled like their name. Um, and I, I changed that. And within the next 12 hours, I had a 500 deposit in my uh, PayPal account. Man, that is incredible. And I think that's what most creators got to understand. It's like, you see people on Instagram, they get the massive deals for $20,000 or Kylie Jenner gets X amount of dollars a post. I'm fine with that 500 bucks here and there. I, I'm fine with that. Even a hundred bucks here and there, because it's going to add up over time. You, I will take, I will take free money all day long. <laughs> I right. I don't care if it's $25. <laughs> like that, that's a couple Uber rides for me. You know, I don't look at this money as like what I'm trying to live off of. Right. I, I own a digital media company. I, that's where I, that's where I make the lion's share of my money. But however, I enjoy doing these videos because it's extra income for me and my family. So you know, if, if we want to go on a vacation, I could take half that money and put it into a, you know, a, an interest bearing savings account. And at the end of the year, it's, you know, I've gotten maybe not double my money, but more than I had when I put in all of a sudden somebody else is paying for my vacations at the end of the year. Man, that is incredible. Now, I want to ask you this because I want to do that same thing. But in my world of podcasting, I want to do that with software. Because I have used every single podcasting tool that's out there. If I had like the same way you had companies reach out to you from wherever on LinkedIn, I had a company, a hosting platform from France reach out to me and they wanted me to put a new show, launch a whole new show to put on their platform and everything. Awesome. I would love to do those kind of reviews, but only for software and even with creator economy software tools, you know, right. um, there are a ton out there. There's new ones coming up every day. I think that could be very, very lucrative and super helpful to the businesses. I I I know it could. Would would you be would would it be something that perhaps it catches on like wildfire so much you kind of build your own platform 
centered around that and other people come and pay you or do whatever to have a page on your platform? And that's what it could be. And, and now that I know how to build no code tools, like I built literally tools on bubble within a week now. Like nice. last year I went through the the struggle of trying to figure it out because it was all gibberish. Like, <laughs> But now after a year of sitting here struggling until like one in the morning, now I can go and make anything like that. Um, so that's something I could do. I think that will be very, very uh, valuable because I don't know. I'll have to research if there is a review platform for software um, because physical products, like you said, on Amazon, I've seen those videos at the bottom of products for years. I yep. had no idea people were getting paid to make those videos. That's incredible, we are. man. <laughs> I've probably are. seen you on it. I didn't even know it was you. You probably didn't even know it was me. But yeah, yeah because Amazon, it's still fairly new, this Amazon influencer program for videos um, where they're paying people to do it. So at one point, they actually took your name off there. So, you know, it, it would say Eddie Garrison. And then all of a sudden, it just said Amazon influencer. Well, then they changed it back to, the person's name. So now it actually would say my name on it, but there it's still in its infancy. I don't like the fact that people can't contact you directly, but I get that because it's a privacy thing. I, I totally understand that. Uh, so like I said, people that have reached out to me to send me products, have either done it through Twitter or they've done it through my YouTube channel. I, I love that. I, I guess another question I have for you is should every creator be on YouTube? Or is it just like if you only have the fancy cameras, if you only want them to put in the work to learn lighting and stuff or audio or whatever, or should everybody be on YouTube because it's just kind of like a creator hub? It, yes, yes, and yes, right? I, um, there, there's obviously there's a, the whole YouTube culture where if that's where you're going to be, you know, and I bring up names like Roberto Blake. He is, you know, a, a big time YouTuber. Everybody knows him from YouTube. They don't know him from Instagram. They don't know him from Facebook. He's been on YouTube for a long time. Uh, the gear really doesn't matter it, to a point. Now, okay. if you're if you're trying to get paid to do this 100% your in, not 100% your income, but if that's going to be the lion's share of your income, yeah, you need to have a full-time studio. You do need to have the proper lighting. The, the, the three biggest things that I can think of in video is everybody has a 4K camera in their pocket or in their purse these days. If you have a, yeah. a mobile phone that you've bought in the past five years, it's got a good enough camera on there. Um, so the, the three biggest things for me is stabilize your camera, Get as good of quality audio as you can and get as good of quality lighting as you can. Now, here's a, a tip for everybody. Everybody's got one of the best lighting sources in the world for absolutely free. It's called the sun. Go set up next to a window. <laughs> Natural lighting is the best lighting. People pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to get LED lights that look like natural lighting. Just go sit next to a window. I... I that's the the majority of lighting I use for my YouTube videos is, is you know, I, I black everything out so I can control the lighting, but I'm trying to do something different than a lot of people are trying to do. You have the greatest natural lighting source for free. So go set up next to a window, make sure your camera is steady and have great quality audio because people will not watch your video if they can't understand what you're saying. Man, that is true. I've clicked off a lot of YouTube videos and podcast episodes because audio is so bad. <laughs> I, I hate that I'm kind of an audio snob now because I edited <laughs> podcasts for so long. <laughs> now when it's off, I can immediately tell that it's off. I can tell why. And I just have to address it. I've emailed people about that before. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm kind of annoying when it comes to audio. But, um, you know, okay, so Especially if you're using a mobile phone, there's no excuse to have bad audio because you can really get a, a lavalier microphone that plugs in for $20. That sounds absolutely fabulous. 
Uh, and that's another thing I want to address. I think people just kind of have to accept if you want to be a creator that makes money from creating, you have to spend money to get to that level. You have to. Like you have to you have to spend money on something. For me, yeah. it took years. I have this massive overhead light right now, and I have two of them, two massive huge lights. But for the first three years I recorded videos, I didn't have any lighting. I just used the sun like you talked about. Right. <laughs> so, it works. It works. And when it when it comes to microphones, when I launched my podcast, I didn't have a microphone. I use my Apple headphones. Mm -hmm. And now I have, I think, like eight microphones. I have a ton of mics now. <laughs> yeah. So it takes time to get the equipment, but I don't think creators should let something like, I don't have this fancy stuff stop me from creating because that will just keep you stuck, man. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Roberto Blake here, and he says, "What you got to do is just make a hundred bad videos. <laughs> that, that's what it is. You got to make a hundred bad videos before you actually know what you're doing." Yeah, yeah, and and that's why I saw a poll on Twitter earlier before our uh, interview started, and they were talking about the blue snowball. Um, yeah, and I said, I said the blue snowball is a great microphone for people to get started with because it's not expensive. It's a good that's microphone. Right. It's good to start. And you upgrade as you go. But a new podcaster, a new YouTuber should not go out and spend. If I gave you a thousand dollars, let's say I gave you five grand to start your YouTube channel. If you're just starting yeah. out, you'll just waste the money. You don't even know what to buy yet. <laughs> That's right. And five thousand dollars that that is quite a bit of money. But I mean, I could I could blow that on a lens. I mean, <laughs> it's just one lens. <laughs> You know, I, I see. see all these people and I'm not going to name names because that's just not my deal. But I'm not even going to name the Facebook groups I saw it in. But I see all, and especially in podcasting is like, oh, you know, look, look what Amazon delivered today. And they've got like four, you know, sure MB7 microphones, you know, two Rode Podcaster Pro, all that. I'm like, they just dropped 10 grand and they don't even have a proof of concept or even know it's going to work. And they could be all out all that money. And in a year, it's just going to be sitting in the corner collecting dust. Yeah, and I see a lot of that stuff being resold now because oh yeah, when COVID hit, I every day I had somebody new reaching out about starting a podcast. Yeah, it just exploded, right. and people were buying up all the microphones. And I'm like, y'all are spending money, and you don't even know what you're buying yet. Like, you got to be patient with that. Um, so I, I remember that with the cameras, the uh, one one of those cameras that I think the the Logitech CN22 was sold out for like two years. <laughs> I've been trying to get a webcam forever, man. Just something just better than this. It's I, not I terrible, but I want something better. I, I have a mirrorless for mine. But. Okay, okay. So we we covered a lot here. We covered a lot. So one of the last things I want to talk about uh, is the money part, because I know people always are interested in money. Always. So if I am going to a brand to get my first influencer brand deal, what should I expect? Like, what's too little? And what's like a ridiculous amount where I'm like excited I got that? Because I know what it is for podcasters, but as somebody with like a ton of Instagram followers or doing Amazon thing or even a brand deal on YouTube, what are those numbers like? I, I look at it like this. There, there isn't going to be like my minimum may not be somebody else's minimum and their minimum may be different than your minimum. I look at it like this. I look at it as I, I try to quantify it and how much time is it going to take me to produce that? I already have all the gear, so I don't have to worry about pricing out gear to, for anything. Now, I may, I may buy set props on my on my own dime, but I actually factor that into my pricing. So if mm. I was going to look at somebody, like the 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 least of money that I will take is $1,000. That's that's my bottom line. 
because what I look at it is it's going to take me hours upon hours to create this content and that's taking away from my actual business. So I try to quantify how much money I could have potentially made in those two hours or three hours that it's going to take me to produce that video from my actual business than to create this video. So my, my bottom line is a thousand. Um, I've got, I've got as much as, well, I think six, it was, it was a weird amount. It was like 6280. <laughs> it was like some <laughs> odd amount. Uh, but I, it, it was, it was like 6,000 was my, my largest deal. Okay. Okay. I think th- that's a pretty good number and that's a pretty good way to look at it. Um, because I always tell people it depends on so many factors, yes. but you have to personally have your baseline. Like when it comes to sponsorships for me, depending on what it is, my my like floor the lowest i will go for 50 bucks we can make some things happen depending on what that is but you're not going to get the episode feature and all of that stuff for the 50 bucks like no that's not what it is well i think a lot of creators that are just coming into their own make a mistake is they they have one fixed price that they think they deserve and they're probably missing out on a lot of deals because they're not uh, they don't have a pricing structure just to your point we can do something for 50 bucks right so look at your time look at what you think your lowest minimum thing is going to be for like a 30 second video or something and say 100 bucks have a hundred dollar, and I, I think you should do this. I think you should have a hundred, a five hundred, and a thousand dollar package mm, right off I the love bat. That. I, I like those numbers. A hundred, you know, somebody can work with you for a hundred. Somebody else can work with you five hundred and a thousand. After that, it's kind of carte blanche of what they want to pay and what you're going to be able to produce for them. But I think everybody in the beginning, when they get to that level where people are actually starting to reach out to them or they're, you know, they're blasting people with emails, a hundred, 500 and a thousand. I think that's a really good starting price and structure for creators. I love it, man. This is a really, really insightful uh, conversation. I think a lot of creators are going to learn a lot from this, but they want to join that community, have more questions for you. Where can they find you? Yep. Uh, the creator community, you can just search creator community on Facebook, but it's facebook.com forward slash EG as an Eddie Garrison creator community. All right, man. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. Anytime, man. I really enjoyed that. 30 minutes flew by. It was crazy. Right. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.